Hello there. How's it going? This is Kevin. This is the Yoga Life Podcast. Today we have a interesting one, which is just me, a solo job. What to do after your 200 hour teacher training, specifically the first, specifically the first six months. And this is what I did basically. So uh, I hope you find this useful. If you'd like to meet me and other people at events, uh, what I have coming up is, well, the next workshop is sold out. The next handstand workshop, that's in Greystones, August 31st. But I have a new one coming up, an exclusive, which is going to be in Salt and Soul in Sligo. Salt and Soul, I was there about two weeks ago with the missus. We uh, did a great class, a Stanga style class. And December 14th, I'm going to be hosting my next workshop. I'll put all information on my website. It's at Saturday. Uh, 1 p.m. and uh, the other event I have coming up is the live podcast with Dan Morgan there's one spot left for that so it's free so you can grab that if you like and then uh, obviously the teacher training which is starting in September Woo! And there are about 12 people signed up for that so far so a nice small group you're going to get plenty of attention from myself and Catherine if you'd like to join that you can still book your place all information is on kevinboyyoga.ie this podcast is brought to you by Small Changes, organic, eco-friendly, plant-based whole food store based in here, Dublin, Ireland. They do refills, they do juice bar, they have a zero waste ethos and they're doing great things for the environment. My advice is shop organic if you can. It's important that you're, that everything comes from the soil, man, it comes from the earth. You know, we are all one. What you put into your body, you get out of your body. That sounds funny, but um, yeah, make sure you're looking after your your inner universe as well as the outer universe so without further ado here's the intro music what should you do after your 200 hour teacher training if you want to become a yoga teacher that is the question do you want to become a teacher? If you don't, this might not be for you. But in fact, I feel that everything I'm going to talk about and share with you today is relevant to anyone who is going to be self-employed or is working in a creative field and would like to maybe be a bit more entrepreneurial. I know this sounds business-focused and some yoga idealists may feel like Yoga isn't an industry, isn't a business, but it's your perspective that shapes your reality. I love yoga. I love to practice yoga. I love to teach yoga. And I'm constantly trying to figure out how I can do that as much as I can for as long as I can <laughs> while I'm on this earth. That's what drives me. So whether you want to call it a that be, be a business strategy I don't know but um that's my that's what gets me out of bed in the morning Yo yoga's changed my life and I want to connect with others and share my love for the practice so maybe they can not change their life but just uh, enhance it and what I noticed on this topic before I did the podcast I did a bit of research see what other people wrote on blogs and the typical checklist or the general advice that I see is people will say oh when you finish your 200 hour you should practice teaching your friends for free and make sure you do a resume or CV and send it into as many studios as you like that doesn't work in my opinion I didn't do any of that um, I mean sent so again this is a perspective thing you've qualified how much money have you spent on your teacher training you spent a year or maybe a month intensive learning you know how emotionally challenging it is how much it takes out of you how much it gives you as well but how challenging it is and then you're going to teach for free or are you going to send your cv to places and just hope for the best that they get back to you what if they don't get back to you this is where your perspective and your mindset is so important this is my experience of going from someone who worked in loads of office jobs, nine to five behind a desk with a boss, you know, full time to someone who's now 
self-employed, full-time yoga teacher. I teach public classes, workshops, retreats, now teacher trainings. And, and while, I mean, before I take you through my journey, I think it's important that we, we address the mindset side of things because this is the stumbling block for a lot of people. When you're working for somebody else, they hold you accountable. They tell you what to do. But when you're working for yourself, you're accountable to yourself. And your perspective on how you approach your life, how you approach your teaching practice, changes your reality. I've gone deep already. <laughs> because I was going to start this podcast by saying, oh, here's what happened to me after my 200 hour. Here's what happened to me. The most important, that, that's the key, to the most important lesson I've learned since finishing my training and becoming self-employed is one of accountability and perspective. Life doesn't happen to you. Life happens through you. It might, it might sound like I'm getting a bit caught up in semantics, but I'm hyper aware of my own self-narrative. Your self-narrative is that introspective recounting of everything that's going on in your mind that inner voice and like when you're teaching i mean if you've done your 200 hour you would have taught your colleagues the other people in your group your other trainees if you're teaching students you use positive language don't you you use words that are going to encourage them do the same for yourself become aware of your mind chatter so start speaking to yourself like you're your own best friend and this will change your perspective uh, Patanjali, the sage who compiled the Yoga Sutras, he wrote that we need to diminish the chatter of the mind so that we can witness our true self. When we've got a positive outlook on our life, this takes us out of that victim mindset of things happening to us. And when we feel like, because if we th think that way, we feel like we're on our own. Everything is us against everyone else. And we don't have that sense of union, that sense of yoga, um, that it can be our reality if we choose it to be. When you adapt a positive perspective, you can then begin to practice accountability. When I finished my full-time nine-to-five job, where, again, I had a boss telling me everything to do, <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I thought I was ready to be self-employed, but I wasn't. I wasn't ready for, for the level of procrastination that followed. I wasn't ready for going from my 200 hour to, and working in an office job uh, while I was doing that, to being at home and um, to, to having to do things on my own, to get everything going myself. Whenever I thought of doing something like starting an Instagram account, doing a website, doing a podcast, I'd quickly find a thousand reasons why I couldn't do it. I don't have time right now. I'm not good enough. What would other people think? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. When you're stepping out of your comfort zone, it's so easy to fall into this trap. You panic. You overanalyze. You worry. Ultimately, you don't act. Because you're, you're afraid, and we all are, to fail. That's where accountability can really help you. I'll, I'll get back to this later. When you're in your own head and you're on your own so much, like you do when you're a yoga teacher, I spoke about this before, it can be so easy to get caught up in the emotional thinking, the, the fear narrative. What I found to be the most important thing is when you're your own boss, is to turn your brain on. The self-narrative is always going to say, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I'm good enough. You're accountable for quieting those voices. And if you're a yogi, if you're someone who practices yoga a lot, you've got the tools to do that, I hope, at this stage. You need to engage your prefrontal cortex. That's the part of the brain that does the thinking, does the logic, does the reasoning, the problem solving. That's the part we're going to need to do this. Because all of those self-doubts and insecurities are not serving you. Worse than that, they're keeping you from showing up and sharing what you love, your love of yoga, 
to other people that need it, like you needed it. When you complete a 200 hour, you know, probably at this stage, that it's a massive challenge, isn't it? You pour your whole soul out. You sacrifice loads of time and you, you give so much emotional energy to that process. Why would you do that? Because yoga's helped you, I assume. And now you have the chance to share this with others if you can get out of your own way. So turn your brain on. All right, let's think this through. Let's find out how to do it because that's really what you're here for. <laughs> Before you even figure out how you're going to do it though, you need to ask yourself what lights you up? What gives you passion, desire to do this in the first place? Get specific, specialize. For example, what, what style of yoga do you love? What do you want to share? Could be vinyasa, could be yin, could be kundalini. Do you want to? Sh do you want actually want to share this? H how do you want to share it? Do you want to teach? Do you like teaching public classes, or do you want to teach? You know, forty people in front of you. Do you enjoy that dynamic? Do you like privates, doing one to ones? Do you prefer online? There's loads of options. Get clear on what you want to share and how you want to share it. When you start to notice what excites you, what what gets you out of bed in the morning, everything else changes. Yoga has enriched my life and I hope it's done the same for you. And now you want to share that with other people because it's going to change and enrich their lives too. And that's really important. And now it's not about you. It's about other people. This, this concept, I say these words, but this concept is something I've wrestled with, my own ego. And I think ours does. It becomes, especially with Instagram, there's pictures of us all the time. It becomes like almost like about you. You are the figure. But it isn't. It's about we, us, how you can affect other people. And if you affect other people and you help them, they'll in turn help you. When you think about, you, when you adapt this service mindset, everything changes. You start to, you're less likely to get in your own way and you start to leave behind your, your self-doubts that are not allowing you to show up. Listen, this, this is actually doable. <laughs> how, how do I know? Because I've done it. And, I, and I, I wasn't always there. And I'm still, I'm still figuring it out. I was where you are now, watching YouTube videos, reading blogs, listening to podcasts of people that have done it or people that are still doing it. So, yeah, so let's get into this. Um, to, keep, to keep this pretty easily digestible for you and uh, succinct uh, and easy to understand, because so I, I, it's, it's good I'm talking, but I, I hope you, this is easy for you to jot down notes and, and, and listen to again if, if you need to. Um, I want to take you through my my first six months of teaching since my 200, 200 hour. So essentially from the summer that I finished, which is which was May, until the Christmas that year, which was December. Um, so after my 200 hour, here's what happened through me. Okay. Firstly, I got insured. <laughs> this is... Um, as soon as you get your past result from your trainers, request a certificate. They'll, sometimes they'll post this out to you, and that's fine, but there's a risk it could get lost in the post. It might get bent out of shape. So you, uh, what I did is I picked it up from the studio as soon as it was available and scanned it straight away. Okay, Don't bother with a file of facts. This isn't the 1980s. Uh, you can put it on a frame on your wall if you like, but definitely scan it. That's the first thing to do. And then email it to your insurance company. I use Balans or Balans, that's B-A-L-E-N-S. And just say to them, please send me a copy form and a quote, how much it's going to be. Or if you've already got some sort of personal identity, indemnity, indemnity insurance, then uh, with Balans or with another company, you just say, update my insurance policy to cover me teaching yoga to members of the public and then send it back to me. And then if you're happy with the quote, you just request your insurance uh, from them or any insurance company. 
once you're insured, you need to advertise. So I, I mean, it requires action. I, I sent an email to the main studios near me, including, including the one I did my teacher training in, and none of them were interested. <laughs> no, I thought, all right, I'll do my 200 hour. And um, as well, I thought because I was a man, and I was the only guy on my course, I had a competitive advantage because, you know, I, I'm different. I, you, sometimes you think of it, often the things that set you apart that make you different can be your, your, um, your strong points because people want diversity in the yoga studios. But yeah, no one was interested in hiring me. And they, they were polite about this, but nevertheless, I was disappointed. I was um, panicked, to be honest. Uh, the common response that, that they gave me was, we got enough teachers, and that they would put me on their cover list. I, I'm, but the thing is, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait around, around for them to offer me cover classes, so I had to make it happen for myself. So I searched online for a space. I thought, right, I'm going to rent my own studio on a minimal equipment on like a pay-as-you-go basis. And I found nothing online, absolutely nothing. I looked for, I couldn't find a single space near me. So I physically searched my neighborhood. I walked around, all around through the house, not through the houses, around the houses, and I... I, because I moved, I had moved house. It was that, that Christmas before, so I'd been in my house a few months um, before I got my results for my two hundred hour, and I didn't know the area that well. So I thought I'd look around. I tried the local scout center. I tried a school gymnasium. I tried the local church hall. You name it, I tried it. The main issue was availability. Most spaces are occupied in the morning, they're occupied in the evening. And it was actually, when I got to the church, it was actually the priest, the first time being in the church and the last time it's in my local area. Sorry, Father. Um, I, <laughs> but it was the priest, the lovely man in the local church who told me about the local community centre. Well, in fact, he didn't tell me. I He told me once I asked. You see, you can't just accept no for an answer. For example, when I spoke to, I think, I think it was Father Ryan, shout out to Father Ryan, I believe his name was, I said to Father Ryan, oh, can I rent this space, the, the church hall, for a yoga class? And he said no. Forget, forget the reason he gave, but basically it was no. I could have said, okay, thank you, Father, have a nice day, maybe see you next Sunday. But instead I said, okay, what spaces do you know that are local? You see... And then he told me about the community center. You see, that's what I mean by life happens through you. I made that happen. Or I at least created the opportunity for, for the priest to tell me that information instead of just accepting no and walking away. Anyway, shout out to Father Ryan, Ryan uh, who suggested the local community hall. So he gave me the phone number of the lady that ran the center. And I called her and asked what availability they had. And they only had 6 a.m. available. 6 a.m. in the 6 a.m. in the morning. It's not. I thought, right, this is not ideal, but it's all I had. So I agreed one morning a week with this the owner or the manager for four weeks. Now, now I needed. Now I had a venue. I took the photographs, and uh, I thought, right, I need to market this event. I need a photo of me, ideally teaching other people. So this is what you got to do when you first start out. Um, I asked my mum and my sister if they would be my models, and uh, I didn't. I didn't have anyone to take the the pick. So um, so I set up. A, my mum and sister came around to my house. This is kind of embarrassing to say, uh, and I set up a self time on my camera. I got a few shots. Boom, that was enough. Um, it looked a little bit amateur, but it was a start. And then from there. I designed a poster or a leaflet using Canva, C-A-N-V-A. This is a, a kind of for amateur graphic designers. This is a brilliant resource and it's free as well. And I designed it using Canva, the poster, and then I emailed that design to a local printer. Once I had 100 printed posters, I 
went knocking door to door in my local area. All right, this is, if I could sum up one moment that that has changed how the trajectory of my yoga teaching is this. This moment, this scenario became a microcosm. It's a microcosm of life because I had two options in the face of fear. The first was I got a hundred leaflets. I got, I want to have my dinner. It's late in the evening. I could just put these in through the doors, have this done in an hour. Lovely jubbly, hand it in the leaflets and then wait for people to give me a call or send me an email. But I knew I had that inner narrative in my voice that said, don't bother um, knocking on people's doors. There's people inside, it's dark, you're wearing black, you look, you've got a foreign accent, no one knows you're in the neighborhood, you'll, you'll freak them out. Just pop the leaflet through the door, through the letterbox, and move on to the next one. Plus, you'll get it done quicker. So that's, that's the narrative in my head. I had given myself an out, an excuse. And this is where taking accountability is so important. I could have just popped the leaflets through the letterbox and then no one shows up for the class when it eventually comes around. And, I, and then I could blame something, the quality of the leaflets, the weather, Mercury being in retrograde, whatever it was. And then I become that person that, you know, that would be my chance to become a yoga teacher. I didn't do it. I go back to my regular job and I say, oh yeah, I could have been a yoga teacher, but there wasn't much interest in my area or in Dublin for, for it, it seems. That, that would have been my reality because I had that perspective. I wasn't being accountable. If, I, if you avoid that discomfort, that awkwardness, that becomes your pattern. And that is, that is the pattern that you've instilled. So I said, right, this is a pivotal moment. This represents life either happening to me or happening through me, that perspective. Do you just let things happen or do you become accountable? So I said, fuck it. I think that was pretty much the words I said. I know it's not polite, but um, these are often words that come before making a major decision. <laughs> you say, fuck it. Um, I knocked on my first door. I spoke to 100 people, but over the course of about three evenings. It took a while. And then did I did my, I won't go through my whole um, pitch, as it were, because that could be a separate podcast. Um, 12 people showed up for my first weekly class, which is massive. 12%, that's huge. If I had just knocked, I'd be lucky to get 1%. Or if I just left the leaflet through the door. So when the people showed up, 12 people, I was buzzing, got my picture, shared it on my Instagram. Uh, then soon the numbers increased. Uh, so I changed it from one class a week to three classes a week in the community hall. Um, I had to then find a venue for the evening classes because there was some people wanted to, to well, they were telling their friends about it. And I thought, right, I'm, not everyone likes to get up at 6 a.m., so believe it or not. So I need to find somewhere for evenings. Uh, so I went to the local tennis club and then I added two evening classes in. So I was doing about three morning, well, I was doing three morning classes and two evening classes a week. And it sounds great. That sounds like, woohoo, you know, from zero to hero, it's um, brilliant, what a great improvement. But there were mornings when I showed up at 6 a.m. and no one else would. No one else did. Again, remaining accountable, I realized, right, this, this 6 a.m. thing is not optimal. This is not something I can sustain. Definitely not in the winter anyway. And after, unfortunately, after a couple of months, I said, right, I'm done with the morning classes. Uh, I got to let that go and spend my time on social media, on doing a website, on networking. So I started my IG account, started a Facebook account, started a meetup page, started a website. And then I started to publicize my evening classes. I took... I took pics after class of the students. So, so this is really important to take pictures because then people can see, oh, there's Mary who lives down the road. She went to that. Or there's people in general. People don't want to show up to do a class with someone they don't know, particularly if they don't think anyone else is going to be there. This is why showing having a website, I think, is so important. Not everyone is on Instagram. Not everyone, well, everyone is on Facebook, but that's an absolute 
shit show Facebook, isn't it? I mean, it's just an absolute mess. Um, so have a website. This is your shop front. Like, don't rely on studios or, or any other party to promote you. If you ever want to host your own retreats, your own events, you need to be able to take bookings. And a website is somewhere that anyone can access anytime. They don't need an Instagram, Facebook account to do it. And you can put high quality pictures up. That, that is so, that's so important. If you're going to do uh, Instagram, which I would recommend, have a plan. So when I first started Instagram around uh, this time, like two years ago, I, I didn't have a clue about it. I thought, why would I? I had no strategy. And you don't have to be too technical about it, but my advice is have three themes, three different types of pictures or that you put up. So one could be one theme could be tutorials, like little videos or pictures that are anima um, annotated. Another theme could be philosophy, if you're into that. Another theme, third theme could be your schedule or your updates. And commit to having that schedule, whether it's whether it's one time a week or two times a week, maybe three times a week, but commit to having that. I don't, I don't personally agree with people just putting any old anything up on Instagram. I don't think that works very well. Like random stuff, pictures of what they eat in the dog. I did all that myself. Trust me, I, I took me ages to figure out. My Instagram at the start was a complete mess. Um, I didn't ha have a, any kind of thought about the person who's looking at it. So it's um it's a shop front, so keep it tidy. Um so yeah, okay, so I had all my I had my public class or not a public, I had my own classes going on that I hosted myself, rented the venues, did the marketing, got people in, was taking the pictures, had my website up, had my Instagram, Facebook up, my meetup pages. And then I thought, okay, now I have a little bit of an online presence, I'm gonna make a list of all the teachers that were teaching on the in the studios that I liked. So I found their emails or their Facebook with Instagram accounts and I messaged them to say that, hey, uh, here's my website. I'm a yoga teacher. I recently qualified. Uh, I'm teaching regular classes that I host myself so they can see I can teach uh, or I'm competent at least and I'm available to cover. There's, then I started to, uh, and then I started to regularly practice at the studios that I was teaching at because this is a, a huge, this is important that, again, the whole thing about sending your CV in, I don't think that works. I, I really don't. I have a CV, but I'll, I'll get into that later. But if, you, if you're if you a studio owner, you've got a, a, a stack of CVs of people at 200 hour qualified. Why would they call you over someone else? What, what would be your, what's your advantage? What can you give them that they haven't already got? Uh, tons of other options and in a few months I'll have tons of other 200 hour trainees who are recently qualified show up to the classes show up to the studios you want to teach at if you want to teach in the studio go there speak to the reception speak to the staff get to know them be part of the community and although although so I that's what I did and I I mean I talked to the wall if that is but although I was visiting the studios regularly, no one was offering me a spot <laughs> on the schedule. I was being, you know, um, yeah, I was really getting getting involved in the communities at the studios, but they just didn't, I wasn't differentiating myself. So I thought, what can I do to take action here? And I, I asked, so what I did is I asked if I could observe or if I could assist any of the teachers at these studios. So I'd go to a class, I'd say, after class thank you it was a great class if you ever need someone to assist you or if i could observe i'd really appreciate that and um for whatever reason people were happy for me to do that uh, i found that the assisting thing didn't really work because i felt like a bit of a spare wheel and i um yeah it was like well, do i hand out blocks to people or what do i do so instead i just sat in the corner as an observer and this is so much better than just going to a class and being a student because when you can sit in a corner and observe, you can see what's going on. You, what, what is the teacher doing when the students are in Shavasana? How are they assisting them in down dog? What is their pre-class ritual? Also as well, it shows the teacher that you're observing that you're potentially a good choice for someone to be a substitute for them if they need cover. Because you can say, like I said to the teachers I was um, observing, 
look, if you ever need someone who's to cover, I'm available. I've seen your style. I really like uh, what you teach. And if you needed someone to cover, I can do that. And I'd, I, uh, I guarantee you I'd provide a consistent experience for your students. That's, that works. It, it worked for me. Okay, so I, I did that. Um, and then I knew that, I knew that, okay, that I put it out there. I've made that offer directly to the teacher, not just sending a CV to a studio. And then I thought, right, that's that done. I've put that iron in the fire. Now I need to promote myself even more. But I need some professional pictures. And when I say professional, you don't need to have an expensive camera. You can do it on your iPhone. But my house at the time was a tip. It Because we were doing a loft conversion and I just moved in. So it was basically a building site. I had nowhere in the house to take any decent looking pictures. So I rented out a room in the Liffey Trust Centre, which is a dance studio here in Dublin. I rented out the cheapest room they had, I think it was like 20 quid for the hour, a small room. And I thought, right, I'll take some yoga pics here. Took my yoga pics. Um, I, uh, yeah, so, so took a bunch of pictures to have in stock. And then I was walking out of the, uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time. And I was walking out, she was the recent, I met her on the teacher training. And she was walking out and uh, I remember she used to like take the mick out of me because she'd say like, God, you talk to everyone. You're like, you, when we're out having dinner, I'd talk to the waiter, ask him where he's from. And when we're in the, <laughs> I talked to like the, the the person behind the, the cashier in Tesco's. I'd talk to the lollipop man in the toilets. I would talk to anyone basically. That was like something that she used to take the mick out of me of saying that I, you know, should just leave people alone and not always be like trying to start a conversation. But ironically, if that's the right use of the word in this context, when I was walking out of the Liffey Trust Centre, the receptionist was there and she said, oh, thanks so much. You know, um, hope it was a, you know, you got use for the, of the last hour. I said, um, what's, uh, I said, what's the um, story here with yoga? Because you guys are a dance studio and, you know, this would be a great place to have some yoga classes. And she said, funny you should say that because we had a company here that came last week asking the same question they were looking for a space to do yoga but they didn't have a yoga teacher and i said funny you should say that because i mean i am a yoga teacher not i'm a recently qualified yoga teacher i am a yoga teacher right okay so she was like oh two and two together and she was going to take my details but instead i said can i have the details for that company and i'll get in touch with them save you the bother of doing it Boom, she gave me the details. They were a company down the road. They were related to Google called VoxPro. And uh, that was my first corporate client. And so I had a corporate client before I even had was covering classes, before I was actually a teacher to the you know in a studio. A lot of people I, I know that teach public classes and they're like, how do I get more corporates? How do I get any corporates? I did it the other way around. So there isn't a, a set path you have to follow. So much can happen when you start a conversation. You, if you, you don't, you'd be amazed the power of actually just asking. Yeah, okay, but um, again, that's perspective, that's accountability. Okay, so that was good. I had my first corporate client. I was teaching those evening classes in the tennis club, and then I noticed. The, the weather but the thing is I was teaching this but it was costing me money I wasn't actually making that much money because I was renting out the studio and I noticed the weather's getting warmer because now it was about I don't know July August type time and I thought to myself I could do yoga outside so I applied for a permit from the council to teach classes in, in the local park and you know you could potentially not bother with this applying for a permit and you could hope you don't get caught which I thought about <laughs> but I wanted to start off on the right foot and um, I remember my first outdoor class in the park was near my house and uh, there wasn't a cloud in the sky it was big big bright blue sky with, uh, with a bit of a chilly breeze and four people showed up so <laughs> I, I but I was delighted that anyone showed up and lo and behold these were people that had either come to my 
classes in the tennis club or in the community center or people that I'd given the flyers to, I had actually spoken to. They were the ones that came to the classes in the park. And then from this, one of those people that came to my class in the park then became my corporate client. They actually, um, they were not corporate really. They teach adults with learning difficulties and or they look after them. And so then I went, that was my second um, client. So I, again, I had two quote unquote corporate clients before I even had a public class. And all of this activity, I was promoting it on my social media, on my Facebook, on my website. So I'm not sure. So th this was now, now I'm buzzing. I'm like, oh, I can actually make all this happen on my own. I don't need to rely on a studio. And, but I still knew that I want, I do want to get into a studio because I like the idea. I just want to be in a studio. It's more regular. I get to teach students that are, I'm probably going to, it's more long term when you're teaching in a studio. Corporates are great, right? And you'll notice if you talk corporates, they pay very well, but often everyone signs up for the corporate class. Like, yeah, let's bring yoga into the studio, into the office but because they're often not paying a lot of anything at all it often dies down after six weeks or a few months and then you haven't got a client anymore so i would rather something that pays less but that is consistent and where i can actually work with students over the long term um and uh so i'm not sure if this was i don't believe in fate but i'm not sure if this is because of my social media activity but then i started getting offered to cover classes at yoga studios. The yoga studio actually I did my 200 hour in. And these, let me have a sip of water one sec. These cover requests were, were great, but they were irregular and they were few and far between. So I so I made sure when I taught them, I'm gonna, I was like, right, I, I don't, I'm not gonna get many of these chances. So I'm gonna really teach to my strengths. I'm gonna teach my style, whilst honoring the, the style of the teacher, but just tailor it to what I like to teach, my own practice. And it seems like people liked it. The students gave the studio positive feedback about me. And then quite quickly, I was offered my first weekly public class. So I chose to focus on my strengths, teaching strong vinyasa to large groups, focusing on um, arm balancing that was a, that was a big thing that a lot of people weren't teaching and I quickly noticed that most people found arm balancing very challenging so I asked my students at the end of one class if I held an arm balance workshop would you find this helpful then I suggested to the studio look but this is only through a few months of, of my first class I said, look, I, I asked the students and they said that they would like a arm balance workshop, which I noticed no one here is teaching and I can teach. Would you be interested in doing this? Remembering the studio is a business. They see the students have a need, I have a need, they have a need, boom, put the three together. Now I do, the studio were a little bit, thought I was a bit cheeky doing this. They're kind of like, who are you to suggest this? Because uh, normally the studio will ask you to do a workshop and then you accept. But I thought, I'm not gonna wait for that. I, I, I'm, I'm having a dialogue here with the students. They seem to want this because I've asked them, I can do it, so let's get the ball rolling. It happened through me, okay? Remember, this is all about happening through you. So don't wait for things to happen like that. If you see a need, address it. Okay, so within a few months of teaching my first class, I was teaching my first workshop. So this brings me to around the six month mark, and I actually I'd gotten my I got on my two hundred hour cert in May, and then by December I was teaching regular weekly classes in two major studios in Dublin, hosting workshops with a handful of corporate clients. Because once I had one re weekly class in one studio. I simply spoke to the other studio that before that weren't interested in me um, and said, look, I'm teaching a class at the moment in this other studio. Would you be interested? I'd love to teach with you guys because I go to your studio a lot. And because they've seen, oh, he, he's actually teaching a re regular class in, another, in our competitor, quote unquote, 
then that's all you have to say. You don't have to go into loads of information about why you love yoga or what you can offer. Just say, I teach another studio that I think are a similar caliber to you guys. That's all you need to say. Boom, they should be interested in, in speaking with you at least and maybe doing a trial class. So that's what, what the point I got to. I decided then to, uh, I kept my corporate clients, um, but I decided to stop teaching at the tennis club and at the, well, I'd already stopped teaching at the community hall. And that brought me to the six month mark. I mean, if you're in, within six months, if you're teaching at two major studios, regular weekly classes, and you're hosting workshops and you've got corporate clients, that's pretty good. If that's what you want, obviously. If you don't want that, then it's not important for you. But that's what I wanted. I wanted to think, can I actually do this for a living? And I started looking at my weekly paycheck going, all right, now I'm actually earning what I earned when I was in an office. So uh, this is, I felt validated. And again, people don't like to think about yoga and money, but money, <laughs> money is the exchange of energy. Money is, is symbolic of energy. It's a form of energy. So don't, get, like I mentioned at the start, get out of this mindset of doing things for free. This is not, this is not good. You don't, you're not valuing your time. What you charge, what pricing strategies you, you want to uh, go for is completely up to you. That's not for me to say. But your time is valuable. Do you think what you're sharing is valuable? If you do, there should be a monetary uh, value attached to it. Okay, so I, I, that's pretty much it. But I want to take you through uh, a few things that I didn't do that I noticed just in more detail that I think are a waste of time. But this is just my opinion. And uh, I'm I'm just trying to give you a balanced view into uh, compared to what you'll read out there on blogs about what to do after your 200 hour. So first thing is, I've seen people writing about business cards. Business card? It's not 1980. I never bothered with a business card. This is, a, for me, this is a comfort blanket. Now, a business card might be all right if you leave it on a, I don't know, stick it up on a wall and use it as like a poster almost or on a table. That's fine, perhaps. Um, but if you meet someone you want to connect with, speak with them. Ask them questions. Don't just tell them about you and definitely don't give them a little piece of card that basically reduces your offering to a name, an email, and a phone number. If it's not, if they say, oh, look, it's not a good time to talk, you pick up on that, you take their details. Then when you email them, you can include your website, your Instagram, your Facebook link on your email signature. And then they can see, right, okay, well, ooh, this person's got their own website. They've got a proper email signature. They can then see your hyperlinks and follow you, see what you're doing in real time. Don't bother with a business card. That's my opinion. Waste the money. Um, I never, I also never bothered with a CV, as I mentioned earlier. I have one, just not for yoga. A perfect place for your credentials is on your website. If, if a studio does insist upon you having a CV, you can tell them that you can type one up, but often what they wanna know can be stated in one paragraph on an email. So I just think CV, again, is a bit of a comfort blanket. You're like, I'll send the CV in instead of going into the studio, speaking with the people, asking them, what do you guys need? Where do you see a gap in your teaching schedule? What could, it could be yin, it could be handstands, it could be anything. But And then can you help to address that? The other thing I never did, uh, the last thing is uh, I never, like I mentioned earlier, I never taught a class for free once I was qualified, unless it was for a charity event. Um, for me, my time was worth more than, was worth more than nothing. Um, when you start teaching for free, it's a race to the bottom. Uh, people might start coming to you because your classes are cheap or they're free. And this is not, not because they're good classes. And then you get known as the person with teaching cheap yoga. Oh, you should go to Mary or Dave. He, uh, he or she, they're great and they don't charge. Or they're great because they don't charge. Don't, don't be that person. 
uh, is my opinion, obviously. Um, okay, so just for maybe comedic value, I'll finish off with a few things that didn't work for me. So here's me giving it to Barry McGuigan, the big one, about things that did work for me. And uh, here's what definitely didn't. Three, <laughs> three things that didn't work. Um, I offered to teach or to cover a level three class in a hot studio I'd never practiced in. Massive fail. Crikey. Um, so I'd offered to teach, to cover these classes, but be careful what you wish for. I was completely overwhelmed. I walked in, not an inch of wooden floor to be seen, just mat to mat and roasting studio. I'd never taught hot yoga before. I hadn't practiced it that much, uh, apart from Bikram. And I uh, I tried to teach this elaborate sequence. I got really confused, put everyone, and so I said, right, I'm just gonna put everyone in downward facing dog about 20 times and keep them there until I can th think of my next sequence. Um, yeah, that was a disaster. One, one to forget about. Again, it's because I never practiced at the studio. I didn't know what the style was, the environment, mistake. <laughs> Second thing was, oh God, cringe, beer yoga. I've done a couple of these events. I know, yikes, I'm sorry. Um, not not proud of this. Uh, you can actually put into YouTube. Um, <laughs> uh, I shouldn't be promoting this something I find very embarrassing, but I, I think it's Irish people do beer yoga or beer yoga Irish, something like that. And um, But I did it for the energy exchange, <laughs> for the money, because I didn't have any. Um, and I compromised my morals. The video has been online uh, now, it's received 2,000 views. So 200,000 200, views. Um, yeah, gasp. So it's quite funny though, because I taught a bunch of stand-up comedians and uh, it got a bit awkward uh, in a funny way because one of the comedians was saying, I look like Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, poor man's version, you could say, and was kind of, I think she was, well, she was flirting with me, but maybe in an awkward way, but it was kind of funny. So you can watch it just for comedy value if you like. Um, the, the other thing was, um, oh God, this was actually probably the, the worst one is I accepted to cover uh, a postnatal class once. Disaster. I, I, so I know yeah, if, if you're teaching postnatal, you should really be qualified in postnatal. Okay, but the studio said to me, would you teach this? It's last minute. We don't have anyone else. And I said, yeah, okay. You know, again, I need the money. I need the practice teaching. And um, oh, it went horribly wrong. So, um, yeah, I, I made my apologies in the class. I was like, sorry, guys, I don't know how to teach this class, but I did my best. Um, but that's the mistakes you make at the start. So thing is, what do all three of these have in common? Those three, pregnancy yoga, beer yoga, hot yoga in a level three hot yoga class i was moving out of my the, the common denominator is uh, of those three mishaps is that i moved out of my speciality okay i had you know i wasn't at that stage ready to teach a level three class i wasn't ready for that people just coming up into handstand no bother i definitely wasn't ready to teach beer yoga i didn't have a clue about beer yoga spilling booze all over the place and Pregnancy yoga? No. So um, yes, that's what that's what I can I can share with you about. Stick to what you like doing, what you're good at. It feels like you're narrowing your specialties, but you're really not. If you love something, you really have a passion for teaching it. You will find enough people that are interested, and then after that, you can broaden out. It's like the podcast. It's the Yoga Life podcast. I started in speaking to only yoga teachers. Now I'm now I have um, P, um, a community that is dedicated. They listen every week. They are very interactive with me. Now, if I interview someone who is a former professional MMA fighter, they listen to that. They really like it, and I can start to branch out a little bit because I have my community already established. So do the same with your yoga teaching. <sighs> That's it. I hope that helped. Yes, that's all we have time for right now. A um, couple of little things before I let you go. The first is, this is an exclusive. Dun, dun, dun. Heels overhead, the next Hansung workshop is in, drum roll, 
Sligo. Yes, December 14th. <laughs> You're like, if you don't know where that is, shame on you. It's in the west of Ireland. I was there a couple of weeks ago. I went down to Salt and Soul Studio and uh, I'm now going to be teaching a workshop there for handstands. It's on Saturday, the 14th of December at 1pm. Uh, all information should be on my website by now. I'm going to put it up today actually so that you'll be able to click into it and then you can book on their website um, to book your space. The last uh, workshop or the one I have coming up next is actually sold out. That's at Greystones Yoga Studio. You can go and still get on the waiting list free of charge and then you'll be the first person to be uh, called if anyone drops out. I have one space left for the Dan Morgan podcast, live podcast. And uh, that's pretty much all the events I've got coming up. Obviously, the teach training as well. That's starting in September. You can still book your place at that. We have about 12 people signed up for it. So um, a nice small group and you'll get loads of attention. So if you're thinking about being a yoga teacher, all information can be found on kevinboyyoga.ie. Last and most definitely not least, this podcast is brought to you by Small Changes. Small Changes are a local organic whole food store that believe in a zero waste ethos. They are doing great things, including refills, which I just uh, am learning how to use their self-service counter, getting my, my lentils, my beans, my rice, my oats. And yeah, go down and check them out, smallchanges.ie. No online offering at the moment. And uh, yeah, hopefully you, you get some nice goodies from them. As always, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you found it useful of value, then please leave a review on iTunes and share it on your IG stories. As always, I, I really appreciate the message that is, messages that you send me. And um, yeah, I hope to catch up with you again. I will catch up with you again as long as you tune in uh, next week. All right, look after yourself. Chat soon.